Uh, I've got somewhere that I want to take you this morning if the Lord will allow us to go. I believe there's people in this room today that you'll have a life-changing experience if God will help us get to where that we're wanting to go. Will you, on a personal level, open up your heart and don't worry about what this one's doing or that one's doing or if this is getting it, it's that one's getting it. You better worry about if you're getting it or not. And you'll open up your heart and if you will let the Holy Spirit take the Word of God, I believe today you're in for a life-changing experience. I wish I told you I had one of them barn burner sermons, but it's not a barn burner sermon, but it is a truth that's been burning in my heart for about a month. And uh, we touched it a little bit last Sunday. Didn't even mean to. I was going to preach verse by verse out of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. But when I got to that fiery trial of faith, well, I felt the Holy Ghost dig in right there. And I made a statement through the Holy Spirit. I've never even made it before. This was God. And it, it blessed me all week long about the fiery trial of faith. I'm, number one, I'm, got a, I'm glad I got a faith to be tried. The reason why some people don't ever go through fiery trials, they don't have anything to test. You got to have faith before you get tested of your faith. That's why some people seem to have a life of ease. They never have any problems, or at least they lie about it. One, can they get a witness? But there's one thing good about fiery trials at least you got a faith to be tried. If you were lost and undone without God and didn't have no faith, you wouldn't have nothing to be tried. But at least I'm glad I got a faith to be tried. And I'm glad I got a faith that can be tried. And when that faith is tried, I'm glad it stands the test. First Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 7, how the Holy Spirit says it through the life of Simon Peter. And if I don't hurry, I'm going to go back into last Sunday. But it just amazes me who God let say this. I mean, if anybody knew what flubbing the dub was and going through trials, were it's got to be this guy named Simon Peter. And remember, it was by fire that he denied the Lord, and it was by fire that he got right with the Lord. And in the day of Pentecost, God baptized him with Holy Ghost fire. That's why we call him the Apostle of Fire. But remember in chapter 1 and verse number 7, he says that the trial of your faith, do we have anybody in the room this morning glad that you got faith in God? Personal faith in God. Powerful faith in God. And according to verse 7, precious faith in God. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be what tried with fire. May be found unto the praise and honor and glory. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want you to go to the book of Daniel please. Chapter number 3. Simon Peter is laying out this New Testament truth. That those of us who have faith in God. Faith in Christ. Are going to have that faith tried by fire.
fire. Now that trial, that test may come to us in a myriad of different ways. Sometimes that may come through a financial crisis. Sometimes it may come through a health crisis. Sometimes it comes through emotional or a mental crisis. And let me just say this to you this morning. When you meet somebody struggling emotionally, mentally, watch what you say. Watch what you say. You, you may be putting a target upon your own back. Well, they just need to get right with God. What do you want us to say about you when you're about to jump off the bridge? And, and that, that malady, that test may come to you through a family situation. Or you may be like a dear friend of mine whom I buried a while back. You may get all five lumped up in one punch. And when you hear the news, it is so shocking. Your heart quits literally beating and you die. I believe there is a time in our life when we'll go through what I call the big one, the fiery trial of our faith. I'm not talking about getting up in the morning and getting in an argument with your wife. That's normal. Can I get an amen right there? These men are so afraid they won't even say amen when they know the preacher's right. I'm not talking about getting up in the morning and stumping your toe. I'm not talking about getting discombobulated on Interstate 75 because somebody cut you off. Somebody said, what are we going to do about all this road rage? They've been raging on roads in Atlanta the whole 38 years I've been here. I'm not talking about having just an odd day. But I'm talking the fiery trial. When your very faith in God is put to the test. The fiery trial of your faith. Well, I believe the greatest example in the Bible of a fiery trial has got to be Daniel 3. I mean, remember studying about the three Hebrew children in Sunday school and the fiery furnace. These three young men that were servants to the kingdom of Babylon, Jewish boys that were caught in the insurrection. Man, they're serving before the king. And that king in a drunken stupor makes an idol and says, when you hear the music, you're going to bow down and worship this idol. Well, that, may be, that might be all right with everybody else in Babylon, but it's not okay with Daniel and his three cousins because they have a thing called the Ten Commandments. And one of those Ten Commandments says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. They realize that the only God worth worshiping, serving, and praising is their wonderful Jehovah God. And you know the story how they were tempted. The king said, you either bow down to the statue and worship when you hear the music, or I'll have my servants throw you in the furnace. The boiling pot of the kingdom of Babylon will throw you in there and will uh, we'll cremate you, will incinerate your body, will burn you with fire. And that was the temptation. But notice their testimony. They said, oh no, we're not going to do that. That belongs to God, our Savior, our Lord. He's the only one we're going to serve. We will not be doing that. 
And they said, you do what you got to do. You go ahead and throw us in the fire furnace. But our God whom we serve, hallelujah, is able. And you talk about a testimony and they said, but if not, if God doesn't deliver us, if he sovereignly chooses to let us burn in that fire, we're still not going to bow down. I want to tell you, we need some faith like that in our churches in the United States of America that can look that the waves of sin, the discombobulated government, and the, and the waves of iniquity that's brought against our land to stand up and say, hey, we're not bowing, we're not bending, and we're not burning. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a testimony. Then you have their trial. They threw them in the fire. In fact, a matter, they just didn't throw them in the fire. They heated it up seven times hotter. Brother Eddie Shoemate, a mountain preacher who's going to be with the Lord and whom I love dearly, had a message from this title on what to do when the devil turns to heat up. And if I preached other people's sermon, I would be tempted to preach that. Because I want to tell you, the devil will turn the heat up on you and he'll turn the heat up upon us. And so they throw them into the fiery furnace that's been heated seven times hotter. And I want you to see their temptation. I want you to see their testimony. I want you to see their trial. And then I want you to see their triumph. They made it. They had a life to live on the other side of the fire. They had a testimony to give on the other side of the fire. And I want you to look in chapter number 3 and verse number 27. Man, I hope this will help you. It's like it's helped me. It's going to seem, what I'm going to preach on today, it's going to seem impossible. And it is in your flesh. But what I'm going to preach on today is like any other spiritual truth. With man, it is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Chapter 3, verse 27. Of course, verse 25 said, The king looked in and he said, I see one, two, three, four, and the form of the fourth is likened to the Son of God. Then they bring them out of the midst of the fire. And look in verse number 27. And the princes, and the governors, and the captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose body, say this out loud with me, the fire had no power. We ought to stop right there and shout for 30 minutes that what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. It said that the fire had no power over their bodies. It goes on to say, neither were their coats chained, or neither were their hair singed, neither was their coats chained. In other words, the fire had no power. It didn't even singe the hair on their head. It didn't even alter the raiment, the clothes that was on their body. But this next one is the one that just floored me when I saw this. Not only were their hair not singed, their clothes were not changed, the fire had no hurt. But notice the last line of verse 27. Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. 
Wow. They didn't look like they'd been through the fire. They didn't talk like they'd been through the fire. They didn't act like they'd been through the fire. They didn't even smell like they'd been through the fire. The Lord help me, I want to preach this morning on how to go through the fire and not smell like smoke. This is one of the great miracles of God in the Bible. This is one of the greatest miracles of God in the Bible. Not just the fact that they didn't burn. Not just the fact the, the, the fire had no power. Not just the fact that their hair, their clothes were not altered. But what a miracle of God is they went through this fire all night long and on the other side they didn't even smell like smoke. You say, I don't see any miracle in that. Really? How many has ever ate at a Mexican restaurant? If you don't like Mexican food, you may not go to heaven because right now on our side of town, that's about all you can get sometimes. And I love to go in and order chicken fajitas. I'm a preacher, therefore I love to eat a chicken every chance I get. And you can't do nothing wrong with a chicken. And my friend Larry Brown said it was a sin against God to do anything to a chicken but fry it. Eat that chicken. But man, when they bring you that plate of chicken fajitas, they got all kind of other stuff that ain't fit for human consumption. And it smells bad. Man, they got peppers and onions and pot. I don't know what all they got in there, man. Man, it is burning. And I mean, it looks like it's on fire when they bring it. You can smell it when it comes out of the kitchen. And, and this aroma, and everybody knows what table they're going to. They follow their nose. The tacos, the burritos, the chicken chamas don't have that much. But if you order some of them chicken uh, 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 fajitas with all that, that grass and weeds and tobacco peelings or whatever, frying in that pan, it smells the whole restaurant up. And then while you're sitting there waiting for it to cool, that smoke comes on your hair or comes on your clothes and you go home and you change clothes and rest a little bit, come back to church on Sunday night and as soon as you put that shirt on, oh man, we'd have been fajitaing today. And brother, you can spray right guard, left guard, Back guard, top guard, no guard. Buddy, you can tell you've been there. Have anybody ever had to burn their trash? Now, city slickers don't do that, but anybody ever had to burn your trash? Anybody had to burn your leaves? Anybody's had to kiss somebody that smokes? Just say amen right there. Brother, it is a miracle that anybody ever sat by a campfire. You get around fire and smoke, it's going to get on you. But here is a miracle. These three Hebrew boys are experiencing 1 Peter 1, 7. 
They are in the fiery furnace seven times hotter and they're there all night long till the morning comes. But when the sun comes up in the morning, they're not burned, their clothes are not burned, their hair is not singed, and they don't even smell like smoke. That is a miracle. All right, Brother Joe, we're waiting on the application. You ready? Most of the time you can tell when somebody has gone through a hard time in their life. Let me say it like this. I'll just bring it on down to me. Most of the time people can tell when I have gone through. I'll just preach to myself. When I have gone through a hard time in my life. Most people know when somebody has gone through a hard time. You know why? They smell like it. They talk like it. They treat others like it. The fire has had such an effect on them. The trial has had such an effect on them. You can see it in their life. You hear it come out of their mouth. It's revealed in their attitude. It's revealed in their actions. You can literally smell the bitterness. You can literally smell the anger. Ain't we having fun? You can literally smell the envy, the strife the bitterness, the resentment. It comes out their mouth. It's rolled on their face. It affects the way they treat others. They take out on others what happened to them by somebody else when they were in the fire. Mm. There's a preacher. He's very famous. Very. And he was scheduled to preach at a certain church that I know about. And the pastor of that church was watching some online meetings where he had been preaching. Because about a month or so, he's going to come to his church and preach a three-day revival. That pastor called him on the phone and said, Brother so-and-so, I can't have you come to our church at this particular time. And, of course, that particular person blew up, wanted to know, why are you canceling this meeting? He said, Sir, I can't bring that into our church. He said, the problems you've been having at your church and the split you had at your church and all the drama you dealt with at your church has so affected you, you are mean, you are hateful, you are judgmental, you are critical, and you're taking out your frustration at your church on every church in America that you're preaching at, and I can't bring that spirit into this pulpit. Wow. He said, I'm sorry your church had problems. I'm sorry y'all had a church split. I'm sorry your family got their head whacked off in the middle of it. But sir, you can't go to other churches and take out your anger and your bitterness and your frustration on them. 
number one, they wasn't even there. It's not even their church. You have got to quit taking out everywhere you go preach the anger and the bitterness and the resentment. You may be mad at your church. You may be disappointed in your ministry. All of hell may broke loose for you, pastor. And you need to deal with that. But don't bring that here. Don't bring that spirit here. That anger here. That resentment here. That bitterness here. You know what that preacher's problem was? He had been through the fire and he had smoke all over him. Can I just say? Been there and done that. You say, Brother Joe, what kind of preacher do we have? One made out of the same stuff you're made out of. Because it's hard to go through the fire and not smell like smoke. I was preaching the other day in a certain place, and I wish I could give you this man's name because he helped your preacher. He did more than help your preacher. He literally changed your preacher's world with this statement. We'd been very busy that week. And so after church Wednesday night, he said, let's go fellowship. So we went to this little diner that's open 24 hours a day. And we were sitting there eating, drinking coffee. That's how preachers get real big. We eat late at night. That Christian nightclubbing will kill you. And we were just talking and we got to sharing burdens. Every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will put somebody in your life you can open up to. You can't open up to just anybody by the time you get through the whole world knows it. Used to, you had to talk to somebody on the phone or write a letter. Today, people can go home and mash three buttons and the whole world knows everything about them. Only that's wrong right there. And I felt very comfortable opening up my heart to this brother. And it was a precious time. I sat on one end of the table. He sat on the other side of the table. I cried, he cried. I wept, he wept. And as I began to list the heartbreaks of my own life, my own heart, my own family, my own church, as I began to just belch out the heartaches and the disappointments that I had gone through myself, this man began to cry. And I called his name. I said, wait a minute, I didn't mean to make you cry. I'm sorry that I dumped all of that on you. He said, oh no, I'm not crying because you dumped it on me. You can't dump on friends. Can I back up one more time? He said, you didn't dump on me. You can't dump on friends. I said, what are you crying for? He said, Lord God, Joe Arthur, I thought he was going to cause a scene in that restaurant. I didn't know what he was going to do. And he got to crying, waving his hand. I said, are you okay? Have I freaked you out too? Have I caused you to have a nervous breakdown with me? He said, no, let me tell you why I'm praising God. He said, I heard you preach Tuesday night. And I heard you preach tonight. And I'm shocked that you've been going through this. He said, I'm shocked to hear the depth of your heartbreak. He said, it just shocks me to hear that you've been that close to the edge of the abyss. 
I said, man, I'm made out of the same stuff you're made out of. I'm not going through anything. He said, I'm not talking about that. He said, the thing that amazes me, I heard you preach Tuesday night and I heard you preach tonight and just listening to you preach, watching you preach, I'd have never known you had one problem in the whole world. He said, Joe, you don't smell like smoke. All the hell you've been through, you don't smell like smoke. The edge of the abyss that you've been dangling on, you don't smell like smoke. And I said, brother, let me tell you, it's only by the goodness of God and the grace of God and the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus Christ that any of us can walk through the fiery trial of our faith and come out on the other side and don't even smell like smoke. Because that's tough. Because most of the time when we go through the fire, when we've had problems in our marriage, problems in our church, problems in our job, problems in our home, problems in our own mind. Oh God, how easy it is to be smoky. Boy, that anger. You say, I'm here this morning, Pastor Arthur, and I have, hallelujah, total victory over anger. Well, God bless you. Pray for the rest of us in here. We have a special place for liars out in the foyer. Pastor Arthur, I'm here today and I've never had any problems with bitterness in my life. Oh, 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 just let let, let me tell you something, Mr. Goody Two-Shoe. You may not have no anger. You may not have no bitterness. You may be just wonderful, but you got a problem lying. Well, I have never questioned God. Stop that. Stop that. I've never asked God why. Come here a minute. Are you better than Jesus? You better than Jesus? Jesus is nailed to a cross and to the pathos of his suffering. He looked up through nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his brow and blood and spit running down his face and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If you've never questioned, if you've never, hey, you must be, no, you're not better than Jesus. You're not better than anybody else. You're just trying to cover it up. That's part of the smoke. Man, it's human. It's our human weakness. It's our own inability to make it without him. Because I'm telling you the natural tendency is somebody slap you, slap them back. Isn't that natural? Somebody spit on you, spit back. Somebody flap that jaw, flap it back. Somebody start some room on you, start one on them. And anybody here today interested in starting rumors, you come to, and let me know because I can put you with some sources that can get her done. I mean, I got some sources that are College graduates, PhDs, and spreading it thick and far. Can I get a witness? I hope my phone 
never rings. And a pastor says to me, Brother Joe, I can't have you come right now. I can't have you preach in our church right now. Because all the fire and all the junk and all the unnecessary drama you've gone through in your life, it's coming out in your preaching. It's coming out of your mouth. It's coming out of your spirit. The way you're treating others. I got a friend of mine that was an assistant pastor. And one Sunday morning his pastor was preaching. And right in the middle of his pastor's preaching, the pastor said, I resign, I quit, I'm out of the ministry, I'm done, it's yours. And that was his introduction to the ministry. He said, the first four years, I felt like I was in the last half of the tribulation period. Finally, one day, his wife, who's now with the Lord, a precious saint, and I know this lady, and I can see her right now doing this. She grabbed him by his jaws and called his name and said, I'm not your enemy. And our kids are not your enemy. And your family is not your enemy. I'm sorry you got messed with. I'm sorry you got misaligned. I'm sorry you got misrepresented. I'm sorry that so-and-so talked about you. I'm sorry all of these problems have happened in the youth of your ministry. But she called his name. She said, but listen, I'm not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. My friends are not your enemy. What she was telling that preacher is, what's coming out of your mouth and what's coming out of your attitude and the way you're treating others. You've gone through the fire and it's burnt you. It's affected you in a bad way. And you're taking out your anger and frustration on everybody around you. Man, it's easy to go through the fire. It's not hard to go through the fire and not smell like it on the other side but you don't have to it's easy we're prone to do it this ain't good English but it's good preaching but it ain't necessary well, Brother Joe, I don't understand how you can go through all a kind of disappointment and all kind of problems and all kind of pressure and all kind of the abyss of destruction. How in the world can you go through all of the fiery trials of life and come out on the side and not smell like smoke? Well, evidently it can be done because that's what happened in the, in the Hebrew children. But I believe that's what happened to Joseph as well. He had 17 and a half years of hell by the acre. His own family threw him in a pit. His own brother sold him into human slavery. Potiphar's wife framed him and he believed her and he went to prison for three and a half years for something he didn't even do. Then the baker and the butler forgot him and he stayed three and a half more years. He went through every kind of myriad of emotion a man can, I mean, forsaken, framed, scandalized, lied on, mistreated, you name it. They dealt with old Joseph about it. But on the other side of the fire, I smell him 
He smells so sweet that he calls his brothers back in who are the reason for his affliction and his thorn. And he said, boys, I just want to testify. Ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God was working behind the scene to use me to save much people alive. Boys, I know you meant it to destroy my life, but standing somewhere in the shadows was a sovereign God, and he used your evilness to save your life. Wow. What about Job? Can you imagine going to heaven and saying, Lord, can I give a word of testimony about all I went through? And God said, yeah, as soon as Job quits, you can have the floor. I believe I'd save mine. I believe I'd do it. We used to do it at pastor school. Dr. Hiles would get up there, 5,000 preachers there, and it's okay. Anybody got any questions? And every time, some nut would get up and ask some foolish, ignorant, diabolical, discombobulated, practiced ignorance. There's a difference being crazy and practiced ignorance. Ask some kind of off-the-wall question. And somehow God gave that preacher an off-the-wall answer. He'd burn them up every time. And every time he'd burn one, Julie's daddy would say, You got anything you want to ask? Not me. I defer. You hear about that fellow went through a flood. He never got over it. And everywhere he went, can I talk about the flood? 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 Well, the old codger died and he went to heaven. And St. Peter said, come on in. You got a mansion. He said, when I get in, can I tell about the flood? And St. Peter said, yeah, as soon as Noah gets through, we're going to let you have the microphone. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we all go through that. But on the other side of Job's affliction, I mean, you look what he went through. Financial loss. Emotional stress. You say, what do you mean? He wished he was dead. He got suicidal. He said, I wish I'd have been cut off in the womb of my mama. It's pretty bad when you don't even want to live, man. He went through every kind of trauma and loss that a man could go through. But the Bible said 50, 352 days later, it said the Lord turned the captivity of Job. When he prayed for his friends, God turned it around when he prayed for his friends. And you know what I've learned in my young 60 years of living? You ain't going to pray for nobody. You ain't going to get no kind of prayer through with anger and bitterness and hatred and revenge and all of that in your heart. You can't even pray for yourself, much less somebody else. But somehow Job got that all of his heart. Job got it out of his heart. Job got it out of his life. And when Job prayed for his friends, God turned the situation around. And the Bible said that God blessed the latter end of Job more than he did his beginning evidently he didn't have no smell on him what about Paul God knows what all that man had to go through but on his deathbed he said I fought a good fight I finished my course I kept the faith the Hebrew boys came out with not even the smell man this is just my introduction we done run out of time 
But this right here is good. You say, well, Brother Joe, how in the world do you go through hell and not smell like it? How do you go through troubles and trials and... How do you go through the fire and not smell like it? Well, evidently, according to Proverbs 18.36, we got a choice in that matter. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 18.36, the spirit of a man will sustain him in his infirmities. The spirit of a man will sustain him and his infirmity. Whether you go through the fire and not smell like smoke, I think it depends on what you do while you're in there. Can I get a witness? I've said this a thousand times to my family and my friends. I cannot control what you do to me. Have at it. But I have absolute control through the power of the Holy Spirit what I do to you as a result of it. This dear brother comes to me after church and just lets me have it. You know I can do two things. I can let him have it back and bless God waller in it for three years. Or I can say, God bless your brother. You didn't do worse to me than they did to Jesus. They crucified him. See you later. Have a great day. You say, but wait, just, I'm trying to. Because God had to reveal this to me one morning in my prayer life. I was telling God how bad everybody was. I was naming them too. God, I've got a list. You say, I want to see it. It's in here and in here. Every time I eat my cereal, their face floats in that milk bowl. I just love it when I get down there where you live because I see that grin like, preacher been spying that on me, man. We all got a list. Boy, I was in there one day, Gerald, worrying about my list. I mean, checking them off, buddy, five at a time. Reminding God like he forgot. And this is what he said to me. They nailed me to a cross. They put a spear in my side. They mocked me so much they made a king out of me with a crown of thorns. He said, I healed people. They wasn't even there when I died. I fed 5,000. They didn't even come around my mama to help her put me in a, in a decent burial. He said, they lied on me and called me the chief of devils. He said, they did everything to me possibly human to do to somebody. And I said, in my dying hour, Father, help me, church. Forgive them. Well, I'll tell you, bless God, you can't forgive people that don't ask. Jesus did. 
There's not one soul, Shane Roy, are walking around that cross saying, Lord, forgive us, Lord, forgive us. There's not one soul even uttering forgiveness. They hate that man. They despise that man. And the only ones that don't despise him are the cowards, too cowardly to stand up for him. And the only one that's really there is a little old mama and John the beloved are weeping and a crying, but they can't do anything about it. And I don't hear one person saying, forgive me, forgive me. But I want to tell you, Jesus wasn't waiting on them. He said, I want to go meet my Father, I'm going to go through the fire and listen to this. The Bible does call him a sweet smelling Savior and house. Dear God, somebody hit me right there. And how sweet, my soul, how sweet can it be on the other side of your cross? You can say, I forgive you. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He realized they were doing that in ignorance. Yeah, but them people have been messing with me. They know better. Maybe and maybe not. I was praying one day and I said, Lord, if so-and-so was saved, he wouldn't have said that about me. And the Lord said, who said he was saved? He may not be. And if he's not saved, there's no Holy Spirit restraint in him. Well, bless God, if they were saved, it wasn't act like that. Who said they were saved? You don't know if they are or not, but you are. You claim to be. Ain't we having fun? But you claim to be. You claim to know Christ. You claim to be a Christian. So therefore, it is not... It is not their responsibility to make you smell like roses on the other side of the fire. That's you and your heart and your mouth and your Jesus. That's you and God coming through the fire together, leaning on Him, loving Him, serving Him. You can go through the fire and not smell like the smoke on you. You say that's impossible. It is without God. You say, well, Brother Joe, it's too late for me. I done let a rip and I smell like a far. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. Now, I'm country, but I'm cultured country. I was at a place this week that ain't cultured country. I preached in the church a while back. Not a woman in there had a full set of teeth. I'm telling you, I have seen uncultured country. There is country and there's country. I was never so country we didn't bathe. And ain't no sense in you being that country neither. Oh, but Brother Arthur, I can't afford some new clothes. You can afford, you can afford a bar of Irish spring. But I don't believe in proper hygiene. You ain't got to tell us that. It's like these people. I've been on this diet, man. I've been popping them garlic pills. Yeah, like we didn't know. We lived out in the country. We didn't have a garbage truck come by our house. So we had three big old barrels. We burnt that trash. That's a stinky. Anybody had to do that? Stinky. 
Well, I was cultured country. My mama, when she called you to the table, you had to have on your shoes, all your clothes, and you better not have no hat on your head. And you had your face washed and your hands washed. You didn't monkey around. You came to that table and acted like a decent human being. And if you didn't want it, you just said, no, thank you. You didn't go, I don't believe I like him. Because you would wear it. Anybody feel my pain? I come in one night from burning trash. And my mama said, shower. I said, mama, no boy wants to take a bath on a Thursday night. I always felt like God put that oil in your body to fight off disease and you wash all of it out. Something may get you. I believe I met somebody at Walmart yesterday that was afraid they were going to get something. She said, you're not, she said, son, you smell awful. I said, mama, I've been burning trash. She said, shower. Well, no boy wants to take a bath on Thursday. But I was hungry. It, I didn't smell no different than that ham frying, but I didn't tell her that. Son, I went in there and I got me a good old shower and I sprayed down. I come in. She said, now, come on in and let's eat. She knew I had been through the fire. She knew I had been by the fire. She knew I had the effect on me. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been bitter. Yes, I've been angry. Yes, I have been resentful. Yes, I have had every sign and act of the flesh upon my life. But I'm glad there's this fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty state. You say, preacher, I'm bad. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm resentful. I'm disappointed. I'm bitter. Get in the word of God. Get in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Get a hold of the blood of Christ and let God clean you up and get that smell off of you. I'm never going to get to 1 Peter verse by verse. Here it is and I'll just stop. This hit me Friday night in church while the choir was singing. I was sitting beside uh, Brother Walter Burl's boy back there. I was sitting beside Brother Burl. It hit me. How did they go through a fire seven times hotter and they didn't even have the smell of smoke? Well, they're not in there alone. You read Daniel 3, there are two midst, midst. There are two midst in that passage. First part of that passage said, they threw the Hebrew boys in the midst of the fire. Oh, but verse number 25, there's another midst. The king looked in and said, whoa, wait a minute. I see four men loose walking in the 
midst of the fire and the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. They were in the midst, but so was he. They were in the midst, but so was he. Well, what difference did that make? Well, in the midst, right smack dab in the middle of them, was the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And the sweet smelling savor. Well, if I had my bottle of cologne, I can't tell you the name of it because, well, lover boy. But don't laugh. That's better than that brute you come in wearing. Can I get an amen? Bless God, they take paint off the wall with English leather. That stuff you wear, your cousin gave you because he's too cheap to buy you some polo. But if I had my cologne sprayed it on all these old boys. Come on. Come on. Squeeze me in here, boys. Come on. Group hug. Come on in here. We ain't got COVID yet, hopefully. We may have after this right here. But you know what? If I'm spraying them with all that, they're going to smell like it. Son, they're in the midst of that fire. But right in the midst of them is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the sweet-smelling Savior. I got to breathe, boys. Move. Well, I about got squashed on that illustration. Oh, they had done got so close to the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley and the sweet fragrance of heaven. They come out on the other side. They didn't smell like fire. They didn't smell like hell. They didn't smell like lying and cheating. They didn't smell like bitterness. They didn't smell like anger. They smelled like somebody they'd been so close to. He had rubbed off on them. Lord have mercy. He's above us. He's beneath us. He's before us. He's behind us. He's beside of us. But thank God Almighty, he's in us. He's close enough to us. We ought to smell like him. About to lose my dignity. I'm sorry life stinks. I really am. I don't like it no better than you. How I got vating. Oh, I'm starting to smell again. Hello? I'm glad there is a way you can walk through that fire and not smell like smoke. And we're going to unhook because I preached way too long. I'm going to try to come back tonight and get in this first chapter of 1 Peter. There's four principles. Verse by verse in this text, there's four principles. If you will apply them to your life, you can go through the fire. And not smell like the smoke. I was a little boy. My daddy had a terrible thing happen at one of the churches he pastored. And 
It rocked my daddy's world. It rocked my mama's world. I was too young and dumb for it to rock anything. You know, there's a time in your life when like, you ain't even aware who you are. But I knew it really jacked up mom and dad. I knew it really tore them apart. I watched them grieve. I come in from school one day and I hear this wailing, this unnerving wailing coming from my mother's room and I burst through the door. She's laying on her face on her bed, clutching her sheets, telling God she was sorry for being sorry and low down and good for nothing. How she had failed as a parent. She had failed at this and failed at that. I remember at 14 years old, taking off my shoes, crawling to bed and laying down beside my mama and patting her on the cheek, said, Mama, you ain't failed anybody. You're a good mama. I love you, Mama. You're a good mama. I'll make you proud if God will help me. We'll turn this thing around. I watched my dad go from happy-go-lucky to the joke teller to the practical joker to almost walking in a daze, so discombobulated. Early one Saturday morning, we were going to run a piece of ground and run some big bucks out of it down at the swamp. Daddy was always the driver. He was always the one that got them stirred up. And he'd wait till you got on your stand and he'd give a signal and he'd come walking through there with a few dogs or whatever and run them bucks out. We didn't pay no attention to the moon. We run them out of their bed. You said, you wouldn't shoot Bambi, would you? I've done it several times and he keeps coming back to life. But when dad come back to pick me up, he was glowing. He was grinning from ear to ear. I said, dad, did you kill a big one? I ain't shot my gun. I said, well, what in the world are you so lit up about? And now that you got to understand how country we were and we talked real country. He said, I throwed her off, boy. I throwed her off, boy. Now, now, if you're here, you know what threat it's. I threw. I threw. But, but in Ronald Crabbe's North Carolina, it's throwed. You don't throw it. You throwed it. He said, I throwed it off, boy. I said, Daddy, what do you mean? He said, I carried this burden. I've let it get my preaching. I've let it bother my family. He said, I've cried. I've sweated. I've anguished. I've lost my appetite. But I throwed her down this morning. I got down by that stump. And I said, Lord, I want to throw her down today. You died for me. You saved me when I was a drunkard. And saved my family. You called me to preach. You filled me with the Spirit of God. You've been good to me. You've been better than good to me. And God, I love you. I want to praise you. I want to serve you. And my daddy was never the same after that. He went to heaven at 79 years old and he didn't smell like smoke. Talk to my mama sometime. She don't smell like it either. She throwed her off. Every Sunday morning at 9.30 to 9.35, my cell phone goes off. It says, Mom. And I don't care if you're talking to whoever. You answer that phone. Because you ain't going to get that call forever. Hello, Mom. Hey, honey. Hey, baby. 
She's the only person in my life, especially the female gender, that talks to me in that tone. Shut up, Richard. Stay out of this. I love you, baby. You preach good today, horny. Horny. How country is that? Horny. H-U-N-N-E-R-Y. And she'll say, let's pray. That woman don't own an automobile. That woman don't even own the house she lives in. That woman can't hardly rub two knuckles together every time she pays her medicine and her supplement. All she really owns is the clothes and the jewelry that me and my father, my family, has given her through the years. Ain't got nothing that would make most people happy. But she's got what most people would give anything the world to have. She's real content. And she's got real joy. She don't smell like smoke. I don't want to get bitter serving God. I don't want to be full of resentment and revenge. and It's nasty. I don't want to smell like smoke. I'm glad there's a place I can go, baby, and get the smell off of me. Get near that rose of Sharon and get refreshed again. Quit taking out on your wife and your husband, your family, and your friends, your frustration with everybody else. Guard your heart. Protect your mind. Shut your mouth. And consider yourself. Let's stand to the building, all of the building, please.